Almost live from Silicon Valley, California, brought to you by Mimosa Network, it's the Dustin and Eric Podcast Show. Hello and welcome, I'm Dustin. And I'm Eric. Welcome to the Dustin and Eric Podcast Show, where today on episode two, we'll be talking about finding a backbone provider. We'll also discuss identifying and researching those potential providers. So today, our special guest is Doug. Hello, Doug, and welcome to the show. Hello. So, Doug, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I just took the uh, Tesla Underground uh, from the 405 all the way up to San Francisco, and I had lunch on the way up. So what, what is it that you do, Doug? Oh, usually uh, Monday through Friday, I sit around the uh, uh, Fullerton, the McDonald's down in Fullerton, and just kind of look at people. Excellent. Thanks, Doug. Hey, you're welcome. All right, so we're going to go moving on here to catching up with D&E. Eric, so uh, how was your weekend? What did you end up doing this weekend? Uh, it was good. It's pretty good. I, I just worked on a, uh, a radio project, like a little science project. Oh, really? Actually, I brought it here. It's kind of a show-and-tell quick segment, very quick. So what we have here, let me see if I can get it here. I'm going to bring it up. So this is a little uh, ham radio transmitter. It works on... Uh, five different uh, bands, and it puts out about a quarter watt. And I'm going to throw a switch, and l let's see if you can see it light up. Okay. Here we go. I'm, I'm putting the switch on. And got a little LCD display there. Uh, Eric, I think it's smoking a little it's bit. It's almost smoking. You'll notice that there's there's the only part of the LCD display lights up, so it needs some work. Uh, we're going to check the 20-meg uh, uh, oscillator on it. Uh, we did some voltage points. I'm going to get some help from Gia back in the lab there, and we're going to uh, probe around there and see what we can do. All right. You might as well flip that off before it becomes Cheech and Chong in here. So. Okay. Here, I'm flipping it off now. It's... Uh, Put that down. It's for uh, little uh, propagation checks between San Jose and around the world. That's awesome. Isn't that wild? So uh, I didn't do a whole lot again this weekend. Uh, my neighbors were moving, so I, I spent my whole weekend uh, lifting heavy stuff and then lifting it again once I got to the destination. So uh, I saw you walking around with a limp earlier. Is that part of the... Did you hurt your ankle or something? Eh, yeah, but that's okay. I'll be all right in a couple of days. You, so. can, you can talk. You sound great. Oh, thanks, thanks. I, I didn't lift anything with my throat. I lifted it with my hands. Oh, I get it. So, you know, nothing nothing wrong here. Okay. Not yet, anyway. Right. So, we're good to go. Uh, so, we're yeah. going to go on here to the interrogation room, where we'll answer questions from people from the audience uh, about our previous shows and uh, about today's show. So, question number one is, is, how do I extend my backbone connectivity to a location with an access point? Well, there's two different ways you can do that. Uh, you can either run fiber from your your backbone to your access point, or you can uh, install a wireless backhaul with uh, Mimosa backhauls uh, between uh, the backbone, the backbone uh, connectivity, and the uh, the access point. So uh, either way will get you your bandwidth that you're looking for to provide access to uh, all your clients on the uh, the back end of your network there. So uh, question number two is, is how do I extend my links over to C? Eric, you want to uh -huh. cover that? Yeah, actually, we saw have a, uh, a client in uh, down in Puerto Rico, and I think he's shooting from an island uh, about 30 miles to maybe a second store story building on the island off Puerto Rico, and uh, I think one side's up about 1,600 feet, which is great on the little mountain. The other side's about two. So I think uh, to extend it, especially uh, over the sea, you you need to raise the uh, the radio, the antenna itself, or the whole package. 
the integrated package up, it's hard to get some elevation on that side, one side or both. In this case, he, he's lucky and he's, he's got a great performance. So you just want to get it up, you know, as high as yeah. possible. Yeah, so raise that up. What, what's the reason behind that? Uh, we want to minimize uh, ducting, get uh, max throughput, no interference, uh, no attenuation, and uh, minimize uh, some of those uh, effects. So kind of like what we talked about last week with uh, our diversity link in uh, the Farallon Islands and stuff like that. Just yeah. try to keep it from ducting as much as possible. But keeping it simple, radio to radio. Right. Get it up in the air. Yeah. All right. So question number three is, is, how much equipment can I power with a solar relay? That's a very good question, and it really depends on how you build your solar site. So, uh, you know, it depends on how many solar panels you have, how much energy you have coming in. It depends on the, uh, the storage capacity you have, like... Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about our solar like the, relay? The battery storage and such. Uh, we're, we're running, uh, for example, we've got uh, four large uh, panels, and then we have uh, two 48-volt uh, 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 battery banks. And each of the batteries are about 220 amp hours, monsters, really heavy. Um, and we've got a couple of radios. We have, uh, we've got our B24, uh, two B5s, uh, and then A5C, and even a smaller uh uh, current draw from a little PoE powering an IP camera. Right. Just a couple of amps. Um, and I, I believe the panel on a good, we were out there last week and during, and it was bright. And I think it, I think it was putting out about 160 watts or so from the panel. So right. It was just so floating along. Didn't even, didn't even take a bite. Right. So take, our equipment uses so little power little, that we, yeah. we rarely ever see any kind of real draw on that system. So, so I think, yeah, so I think if uh, we have s protection circuit breakers at different points in the, in the system, so I think even if a breaker go opens or something and we have an issue or cloud cover for a, a week and a half, I think we've, we figured f per amp hour in usage, um, we can keep it, keep that, s that small amount of radios going. So ultimately, uh, you have to plan your, your site out. You have to know how many radios you're going to have on that site, how much power that you need, uh, how much power you can generate when it's sunny and, and when it's not, and how much power usage you're going to have at night yeah. or when it's stormy. So again, it just it depends on what you have there, what you want to put there. So it's, it's really hard to answer that uh, generically. So question number four is, is how much bandwidth do I need to purchase to supply 100 megs to all my clients? Well, it depends on how many clients you, clients you plan to have, uh, how many clients you do have, um, how much uh, you can afford with bandwidth pricing. So basically, uh, most ISPs out there do a, a 10 or 20 to 1 oversubscription rate. So an example would be for a 10 to 1, you'd have a 100 meg circuit. Uh, you could probably supply 10 people with 100 meg packages because of the 10 to 1 oversubscription rate. Uh, not that I really agree with the oversubscription rate per se, but that's how people save money. And most people aren't using 100 megs all at the same time or at all. People just like to see the big numbers on their speed tests. Yep, yep. Also, the reliability uh, uplinks speeds are uh, important, et cetera, for right. uh, folks that m might work at home. Voice over IP, webinars, you need that uh, low jitter. Right, Keep which we'll, we'll talk about later yeah, on here in the okay. show. So that's a question that, that goes along with what we're doing today. Okay. Uh, question number five, is it really okay to get legal advice from WISTalk? Well, I want to clarify comments that I made last week. Um, WISTalk, lots of people talk there, they share information, but I want to reiterate that you need to hire a lawyer 
or have somebody who knows legal that works for you that can kind of handle that because, you know, legal things can get really tricky really fast. And you want to have somebody who can handle that. So you can ask basic questions to WISP Talk, but it's not the best place to get your legal advice. Yeah, good point. So, again, hire a lawyer for anything that you have a question on so you will be covered 100%. And I'll translate. He said hire a lawyer. You're from the back east a little bit, I know. <sighs> yeah, okay. Liar, lawyer. A lawyer. A lawyer. Jim Whatever. Car- what was that Jim Carrey movie? Uh, liar, liar. <laughs> and they asked the kid, hey, what's your dad do? Uh, he's a liar. And the teacher said, uh, did you say lawyer? No, he's a liar. (laughs) Uh, So are you saying that all lawyers are liars? No. Moving to slide 12. (laughs) Question number six. I've done some research about peering and transit. Can you explain the differences? Well, the good news is we're going to have a a whole segment on this today. So uh, we'll talk about that once we get there. All right. So today's main course is finding a backbone provider. And so we're going to move right into it. Uh, You've got plenty of different backbone providers out there. They're not all created equally, though, but we'll we'll give you some here. So Hurricane Electric, Zayo, Cogent. You also have AT&T, Verizon, and Level 3. Oh, excuse me. I mean CenturyLink, uh, since they bought those guys up. Uh, The difference between the the two groups here is Hurricane, Zayo, and Cogent are more transit providers. All they care about is selling transit whereas AT&T, Verizon, and CenturyLink are actually ISPs that resell their bandwidth to you know, other customers uh, and their own customers at the same time. Um, so moving on here, you also have local telcos and local providers. Uh, there's plenty of different providers in each state. Uh, there's good lists out there on the Internet, like the, uh, the one we looked at is from Wikipedia. Uh, but again, there's lots of different options in every state. But ultimately, they're going to buy their bandwidth from the people I just talked about, Hurricane Electric, Zayo, Cogent, AT&T, Verizon, uh, Level 3, CenturyLink, uh, any other big backbone provider out there. That's where your bandwidth is really going to come from. Uh, They're just reselling to you from their own supply of bandwidth. You can also potentially get bandwidth from nice wisps out there. Uh, Most wisps are actually nice. They like to, you know, work together with other WISPs in the area, which we've encountered this here even locally, where, you know, WISPs are actually reselling some of their bandwidth to customers to resell to their own customers. Uh, Like, for an example, WISP number A has a customer that it's in their coverage area, but they can't cover. WISP number B is a neighbor, but has a shot Mm -hmm. to that customer. WISP number A is going to give that contact info to WISP B and... uh, you know, share that customer with them. So most WISPs, again, are going to be that way. There are some out there who won't be, but uh, luckily the WISP industry in, in general is a real good, uh, you know, close group of people that like to share and be nice with one another. Well, we kind of had a, a few days ago a look, kind of a roundhouse. We met with a, a couple of uh, uh, WISPs and, uh, yeah, to see what we could do. We can we can work what we can do, like you said, there's coverage. We had a lot of hills in the way between A and B, and, and then we kind of see how we can connect the dots and, and get their customers uh, taken care of. Right. Get them some signal. The ultimate goal is to provide Internet service to a customer. It doesn't yeah. matter how they get it. Sure. You know, it's yeah. definitely way underserved in the U.S., so uh, however we can get connectivity to somebody, that should be all that matters to anybody out there. 
And then last but not least is uh, satellite. Eh, nobody likes satellite, but unfortunately there's a lot of areas out there that are too remote or don't have any kind of assets whatsoever to get to. So unfortunately the only way to get service is through satellite. Yeah, it gets a little costly, I guess. We, we have some folks now that are, uh, that are, you know, get two, three megs up and down. And uh, big bucks, too. It's a couple of bucks. And, or they're on mobile data. Right. Mobile data. That's expensive. So, well, just think on. that these guys are, are purchasing a, a large satellite, you know, uh, circuit and then redistributing that to their customers. So it's going to be even worse than that yeah. because you're sharing, like, 10 megs of service with 20 or 30 people out there. So you're going to have the high latency and you're going to have slow speeds, and you're going to have a, a big contention uh, between all of those customers trying to share that data, share that uh, throughput with each other. Right, right. So uh, moving on here, we're going to talk about researching providers. So the first thing we want to talk about is pricing for bandwidth. Uh, so there's plenty of different types of circuits out there you can buy. There's a 1-gig circuits, 10-gig circuits. There's There's customers and providers out there who will actually tailor a bandwidth package to you like 300 megs or 100 megs but again it depends on the planning of your network it comes back to planning again you have to plan to know what you need and how much bandwidth you can afford at the time so start with something you know reasonable and work your way up as your customer base grows but at the same time you want to make sure you have enough bandwidth to provide to those customers and so that that moves us right into the next slide of bandwidth availability um, so how much bandwidth does this customer or do these providers actually have to give to you uh, if you're purchasing bandwidth from somebody who's already re reselling it to you? How are their customers going to affect your customers? How much bandwidth do they really have to share with you? Are your customers going to be in contention with theirs for watching Netflix or downloading or uploading, you know, doing their voice calls or whatever they're going to be doing over the service? You need to make sure that who you're getting from actually has decent service to provide to you and your customers, or you should probably look somewhere else. Hopefully, there's yeah, there's multiple uh, ISPs to choose from. Right, you or you're, you're or, pretty much out of luck. Yeah, you get one. And... Or you have to go to satellite, <laughs> <laughs> which, of yeah. course, is probably not the best which option. Which is no for laughing you. matter. So then we're going to talk about reliability right. and SLA agreements, where you can have really bad service and really slow speeds, or you can have really fast service and really great speeds. So uh, there's a thing called three nines, four nines, and five nines, where three nines means 99.9% .9 reliable, four nines, 99.99% .99 reliable, and of course five nines means 99.99% .99 reliable. So that means that there's going to be you know packet loss up to 0.1% on the three nines service which might sound like a little bit or none at all to you, but to a business customer or a customer who's working from home that's on a VoIP call or they're doing video conferencing, it's going to be the end of the world for those guys because if you lose packets on that kind of data, you've lost them forever. You're going to cut out. You're going to lose the connection completely. People aren't going to be able to hear or see you when you're talking mm -hmm. to them or you're not going to be able to hear them when they're talking to you. Screen breaks up. Yeah, so it's going to be like... choppy basically like Netflix buffering, except it's even worse than that because it's real time. So people are going to go, It's oh. business instead of you're just Right, it's business it's instead of pleasure. pleasure. It's something that's uh, yeah. super important yeah. that needs to be done, needs to be great. So let me give you an example of uh, two different providers. So Cogent 
has a 99.9%, so three nines, for their SLA agreement. While their bandwidth is cheap, it doesn't mean that it's great. So again, you could pick up the cheap bandwidth, but how is that going to affect your customers in the long run? Does it matter to you what kind of quality of service they're right. getting? Which it should, because if it doesn't matter to you, then you're going to have a bad name in the industry and you're going to lose all your customers if you even get any customers and your business will fail. And I don't know anybody out there who wants a failing business because you're not making any money, you're just losing money. And then Cogent, I mean, uh, Level 3 or CenturyLink, they have a 99.99% or a 49s SLA agreement. So that's much less packet loss to expect, a lot better quality of service. It's not perfect, but it's definitely much better than uh, what you're dealing with from Cogent. So like a little cost increase. Right. You're going to pay for... The benefits, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to pay for more, but right. it's going to be better at the same time. So the common saying is you're, you pay, you get what you pay for. It's exactly like this in, in bandwidth. So, so study those tiers or mm -hmm. see if you can get some straight answers if you call in for customer service from some provider right. or company. So you just need to know what that means when you're looking at the SLA agreement and know what that means for you and your customers. So uh, you don't want a sad Toby, you want a happy Toby. For those of you who've seen Spider-Man 2, you've got crying Toby and you've got, you know, happy face Toby. So uh, definitely want a happy Toby here. Wow, I like that 290 down, just about the same up. I know, that's perfect. That's pretty wild. Uh, you know, compared to the 413 millisecond ping times. Half and, a second. And, you know, maybe four down and a half meg up there. That's, that's way different. At a half a second latency, Hand that guy a tissue so he can wipe his tears. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about something that's probably pretty hot out in the uh, the bandwidth world today, and probably a lot of people don't really understand, which is peering versus transit. So real quick here, I want to go over that. Uh, so peering is low-cost sharing of traffic. It helps with connection to uh, highly used services and sites like Netflix. Uh, you only have to worry about cross-connect fees, uh, co-location, uh, power usage and equipment like routers and switches, uh, rooftop rent if you're backhauling from a data center to a location like a, a mountain, kind of like we do, uh, and the capacity itself. So is it, the, the, it's, it's peering, so you're going direct? You're, going, you're passing uh, internet, right. exchanging in, in, internet instead of going direct? Instead of going through the internet to reach Netflix, you're connecting directly direct to Netflix. To the, so that means that your, your speeds on streaming the video are going to be much quicker. The site responds much quicker to your requests. Uh, there's no, the costs are minimal or that guy pays bill, he bill and pay, bill and pay. Or so basically your costs come in where you're cross-connecting at. So there's a data center here in town called okay. Equinix. They're, they're just a data center. They do the cross-connects between ISPs and services. So that's where they make their money every month. So you're paying for that. You pay for that floor space at per square right. foot you're, or whatever it is. You're paying for them to plug a cable estate. from port A to port yeah. B. There's some hardware sitting there, and, and yeah, you're going to, okay. Right. I so the interconnect in the routing and all that. Right. right. So there's a popular okay. one, one that WISPs use out there. It's called Mid Midwest Internet Exchange, and you can find more info online or on forums like WISP Talk. Uh, so IP Transit is a service allowing traffic from one network to cross another. So an example of that would be buying transit service from AT&T. You're paying for your customers to access the internet by going through AT&T's network. So they're going to they're going to go to the transit 
the uh, they're going to go to the transit provider, and this guy's going to go to the transit provider, and now you're paying. You're going to meet in the cloud. In the cloud. You're not connecting directly right. to one another. You're okay. you're having to go through the cloud, the internet, to get okay. service A and service B or less, whatever less you're trying to do. Routing, uh, okay. Right. So the, the difference between the two is that while peering, the two or more ISPs only exchange routes of their downstream customers. Right. Uh, they can't see the upstream routes from one another. IP Transit, on the other hand, is a paid service, so the provider will provide routes to the rest of the Internet. They can see the downstreams. So, right, if you're peering, you can only see the downstream traffic coming from the customers. Right. But if you're a, a transit provider, you see the upstream and downstream, yeah. so you see exactly what those what, customers are doing. What's going on and what they're doing, yeah. So, again, it kind of comes to, uh, you know, how much information do you, you want that, somebody to have, too. see that pie graph and, and, and you know, the big company, FB, has, has got, you know, 90 percent of that pie graph, and uh, here's a little YouTube action, right? Like the kind of thing you can. Kind yeah, of... they can. They can see exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, uh, you know, you, when you're buying bandwidth from a transit provider, you you get a lot of cease and desist orders from those guys doing peer-to-peer uh, -peer traffic, uh, BitTorrent, you know, oh. you know, illegal movies and sure. music and stuff like Just that. Just moving mass masses of data. Right. From... So uh, with peering, you know, they can't see where the the upstream traffic is coming from, so they don't really know who oh. to target with that. So, not saying you should peer so people can steal stuff, but you know, it's easier that way. So anyway, you're moving on to tech tips this week. Uh, our tech tip this week is using the C5C in the 5.9 gig to the 6.4 gig range. Make sure your external antenna supports the part of the spectrum. If it does not, you'll see lower signal levels or a complete disconnect of your radio link. Oh, okay. So, uh, part of that is say you you probably heard the term SWR, the acronym, uh, standing wave ratio. You know, so uh, what we want is is to if you if the radio take the C5C, if the C5C is set up for say 4.9 to 6.4, I want to use use the uh, where the, whatever the de, the uh, design the antenna is designed for. Right. Oh boy! So uh, in SWR, it's it's pretty much a uh, a ratio from forward power to uh, a, a certain amount that's reflected, and we see the SWR curve being low if you if you operate that radio uh, within the design parameters of the uh, antenna. Now, if I go, if I go low, say four not four point nine forty nine hundred meg, the SWR curve is going to fly up. You can use lose a, a you know at, at two to one or so or three to one you're going to lose about a quarter percentage of power if you've got a watt one watt coming out of that radio you might only uh, you can have about a quarter watt coming back so you get about three quarters of that power arriving at the uh, feed point so we want to operate that radio in the uh, design parameters of the antenna right so say there's maximize. an antenna vendor out there that has a dish from five one to five nine and another one out there that goes from five eight to six four if you're going to go in the 6.2 spectrum, you definitely want to go with the dish that's rated for... Yeah, that's, that's rated up at 6.2, yeah. Six so two the 5.8 to 6.4 dish. Yeah. Because if you don't, then your SWR curve goes way go, off. Could, could go up the charts, yeah. Right. Could so uh, definitely curve. want to make sure before you try that, that your dish actually supports that. You can also you know visit the manufacturing website to see exactly what the dish will cover in their data sheets and everything like that. So uh, that's it for this show. Doug, thank you for coming. Appreciate your help. You are welcome. And Eric, thank you for all, <laughs> Thanks, always Justin. being on the show here. So uh, basically to kind of sum up what we talked about here, we talked about big fiber providers, uh, local providers, 
uh, wireless ISPs that are nice and uh, satellite for where you can get your backbone from. And then we talked about researching those providers and finding out their pricing, uh, how much bandwidth availability they have, reliability and SLA agreements, and then uh, we talked a little bit about peering versus transit. Um, next week, we'll be talking about physical network planning and design. Uh, we'll have a special guest in here next week to help us talk about that. So we hope to see you next time on our next show. Again, episode three is coming next time. Thanks for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe or follow button to stay up to date with our latest podcast, which will be available on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. 